Well, there's a story told of a man who's walking along California Beach. He's deep in prayer. When all of a sudden he says, Lord, grant me just one wish. Well, the next thing you know, the sky clouded over and a booming voice said from heaven, because you've been such a faithful servant of mine, I'm going to grant you that one wish. The man said, okay, I wish, Lord, that you would build me a bridge to Hawaii so I can drive over anytime I want to. The Lord answered, you know, your, your request is a bit materialistic. Think of the logistics of that kind of undertaking. The supports required to reach to the bottom of the Pacific. The concrete and steel that it would take. He said, I could do it, but it's hard for me to justify your desire for worldly things. Take a little more time and think of another wish. A wish that you think would honor and glorify me. So the man thought about it for a, for a very long time. And he finally said, okay, Lord, I wish that I could understand women. I want to know what they feel inside. I want to know what they're thinking when they give me the silent treatment. I want to know why they cry and what they really mean when they say nothing. Well, after the man's request, there was a silence, and finally God said, how many lanes do you want on that bridge? <laughs> well, there you go. No truth to that at all. All of us men completely understand our wives. Amen? <laughs> Oh, praise God. Well, I believe we're in week two, or uh, week three, actually, of our, our series that we, that we started called Closer, and I really believe that God has given me a great, challenging truth for you today. Even though this, like I said, it's a great truth, I believe it's going to be a challenging truth, so I just want to forewarn you. Sometimes God gives you words of encouragement, and other times God gives you more challenging direct words and that's one of these if you are if you claim to be a follower of Jesus Christ this message is for you and I need you to listen to me very carefully don't shoot the messenger today <laughs> I really wrestled with this message myself as I was putting it together because I'm still working through this too I'm not perfect at this I, I've got things I've got to work on just like you do and so I don't have this down to perfection and and, and I'm working on it just like the next guy. So I'm just going to really share my heart with you today, and I hope that's okay. So with that being said, if you have your Bible or Bible app, go ahead and turn to John chapter 4 and verse number 27. We're going to start reading this at verse 27 today, just for time's sake, because there's a lot of material here. But we're actually going to be discussing uh, most of this chapter today, just to put this into context so you can see this. So if you don't have your Bible or Bible app, you can follow up on the screens here we go, John chapter 4 and verse number 27. It says, just then his disciples came back. They were shocked to find him talking to a woman. But none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her? Or, why are you talking to her? The woman left her water jar beside the well and she ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. But Jesus replied, I have a kind of food you know nothing about. Did someone bring him food while we were gone? The disciples asked each other. Then Jesus explained, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. 
Verse 35, you know the saying, four months between planting and harvest, but I say, wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. The harvesters are paid good wages, and the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. What joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike you know the saying, one plants, another harvests, and it's true. I sent you to harvest where you didn't plant. Others already had done the work, and now you will get to gather the harvest. I'm calling this message this morning, Near Sighted. Father, for the next few moments, I ask that you would give me the mind of Christ. I believe, God, that this is a very challenging truth that you have given me for this season that we're in as a nation, as a, as a church. And God, I just pray in the name of Jesus, unless you anoint these words, they will be flat, they will be meaningless, but God, if you anoint these words, they have the power to change lives. And so God, that is what I ask today. Without your anointing, I can do nothing. And so Father, I thank you for your anointing today. In Jesus' name, amen. Up until the time I was about 25 years old, and just so you know, we're working on that projector up there. I'm about ready to throw it over the Leo Frigo Bridge. Um, but we are working on it. We're just trying to figure out what, what's happening, and that takes time to do that, to, to diagnose that. Up until the time I was about 25 years old, so just a couple years ago, <laughs> hurts me that you laugh at me, I had great vision, but I started to notice that in the distance, things were starting to get blurry for me. I could see things up close really well, but things that were far off, I couldn't make them out. I couldn't see the details. As a matter of fact, I can take my glasses off right now, and you are all blurry. Actually, that might be kind of a blessing. Amen. I can't see if you're sleeping <laughs> with my glasses off. So I went to the doctor. He came back, and he said, you're nearsighted. I said, no, doc, I'm not. I said, I can see things up close. I just can't see things far away. And he said, yes, we call that nearsighted. And I still to this day don't understand that. I think it's backwards, but that's just me. But I am nearsighted. And I remember getting my glasses for the first time. One of the biggest things that I remember is that I was finally able to see the detail of the leaves in the trees. They were so clear. They had been blurry for a long time. I could also finally see the road signs when I was driving. But even without my glasses, I could still drive better than my wife. Amen. Man, the things you say under the anointing, they just shoot out. Well, here in this story we read just a, just a moment ago, Jesus is having an important conversation with his disciples. I want to set the scene here so you can understand what's happening. Here in John chapter 4, if you go back and you read this from the beginning, you read it from, from starting at verse 1, you'll see that Jesus is ministering in Judea, and he, he decides to return to Galilee. To get to Galilee, he goes through Samaria. When he's in Samaria, he comes to a little village, and he decides to take a break near a well outside of the village. As he's resting at the well, a Samaritan woman comes out of the village to the well to draw water. Jesus asks her for a drink when she approaches. Now, right in the middle of this story, there's a bit of an odd detail given that seems a bit out of place. Let's look at John chapter 4 and verses 7, 8, and 9. This is what it says. Soon a Samaritan woman came, out to, came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. Verse 8. 
He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. Verse 9, the woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Right in the middle of this conversation, the story is interrupted and this little detail is given. It seems insignificant. It says his disciples, it's talking about Jesus asking her a question, asking her a question, and then it skips to telling us about Jesus' disciples going into town to buy food, and then it's right back to the conversation he's having with this lady. So his disciples are hungry. What's the big deal? Why do we need to know that? Well, this detail is actually a very important detail, and some of you may have never seen this before. So Jesus continues to have this conversation with this woman, and he begins to minister to to her, revealing to her that he is the Messiah. He talks to her about eternity, and he talks to her about eternal life. This woman gets radically saved, she drops everything, leaves her jars at the well, and runs back to her village to tell everyone what just happened. When the people see and hear of this radical transformation within this lady because she had a past, verse 30 says that the people come streaming out of the village to see Jesus. So to simplify this, a woman with a rough past gets radically saved and she gets set free and it starts a revival in this little village. It starts a great move of God here in this place. The disciples return from getting their lunch, getting their food, and they see what's happening. They see Jesus talking to this lady. Jesus is telling this lady the importance of eternity. And his disciples show up after eating their lunch and listen to what they say in verse 31 again. Meanwhile, meaning while this is all going on, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. Jesus is in the middle of witnessing to this precious lady and these disciples show up and all they're thinking about is what they're having for lunch. They ask Jesus to go go get something to eat. They come back to God moving and they look at Jesus and say, "Um, maybe you should eat something. Revival and the disciples are thinking about food. It gets worse. Jesus responds to their statement, and when he does, you can see that he's trying to shift their perspective. Look at verse 32 again. But Jesus replied, I have a kind of food you know nothing about. And then look at what they say. After he says this, they look around each other. I can imagine them with a weird look on their face. And they say this in verse 33. Did someone bring him some food when we're gone? Now think about this. Jesus just told them the kind of food, he has the kind of food they know nothing about. You would think that they would ask, hey, what what is that? Tell me more about that. That sounds kind of like a big deal. You have food that I know nothing about. Tell me about that. But no. Instead, they say, did someone bring him some food when we were gone? They're not getting it. So Jesus has to explain a very important concept to them, a very important truth to them as it relates to the kingdom of God. And we're going to read verse 34 again. Then Jesus explained, 
So after all all this has happened, he finally has to explain it in the detail. He says, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. You know the saying, four months between planting and harvest. But I say, wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. The harvesters are paid good wages and the fruit they harvest Notice it's not money. He said the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. That is the fruit. What joy awaits both planter and harvester alike. You know the saying, one plants, another harvest. And it's true. Jesus talks to them about the importance of the harvest. He talks to them about the importance of the human soul. He tells them that his food, his nourishment, comes from doing the will of God and finishing God's work. You see, there's a big disconnect between Jesus and his disciples here. The disciples are having trouble seeing past what's right in front of them. They're having trouble seeing past their current physical need, which in this case was food. The disciples were nearsighted. They were so focused on what was right in front of them, they could not see the bigger picture. They could not see what Jesus seen, and he was trying to shift their perspective. He was trying to give them a spiritual pair of glasses, so to speak, so that they could see beyond themselves. Truth be told, the disciples didn't really care about reaching the town. They didn't didn't care about taking care of the needs of this hurting lady. If they did, they would have walked up to Jesus and asked him, hey, what can we do to help? Instead, they talked to him about food. Their focus was on something that was temporary. Basically, what they're saying is, let's just put off the spiritual condition of this lady until later. Right now, we need to talk about this other issue. This other issue is more important than this lady's salvation. Let's just worry about that later. There's always tomorrow to talk about that. Let's talk about the harvest later. And Jesus says, no, wake up and look around. The harvest is here. I wonder today if Jesus is saying the same thing to us Christians. Wake up and look around. The harvest is here. I wonder if he's, te- if, if, he's, if he's in heaven telling us, you have been so focused on issues that matter nothing for eternity that you've neglected the one thing that's truly important to me. Wake up. The harvest is here. Get your focus right. While you are arguing and fighting over things that matter nothing for eternity, people are dying and spending eternity away from God. Wake up. I have called you to be the salt and the light of the earth. But we've become nearsighted. Churches have become nearsighted. Christians have become nearsighted. We have lost focus on what's truly important as a Christian. Unbelievers don't give two cares about eternity, so obviously their focus is going to be more upon worldly things. That can be expected. But us Christians, for us it should be different. But many times it's not. It seems for many of us we're more concerned about worldly things than we are the things of God. Many of us are praying and we're believing that this year, 2022, is better than the last I mean, there's only one way to go at this point. (laughs) At least we might think that. But of everything that has happened, there's one thing that I've not been able to wrap my mind around, and I've shared this with you before, and that's the hatred towards other people simply based on their stance on a certain issue. And you can pick an issue. There's been many. Currently, the issue right now is the vaccine. That is the topic now. 
If you get the vaccine, you're afraid. If you don't get the vaccine, you don't care about others. That seems to be the thought process. It was the same thing with the masks, and now it's just shifted to this. My stance on all of this mess has been a little bit different than many other people, including other pastors, and that's okay. But I've told you that the the pressure to pick a side has been intense, and I've preached messages on that. But I've told you that I'm not going to pick a side, and I told you I'm not going to pick a side because of what I'm focused on. I'm going to love you regardless of what your stance is on an issue, whether you're vaccinated or unvaccinated or whatever, whatever it might be. I've said that many times. However, the fact that I have not picked a side has been a difficult thing for some people to understand. And I have had people leave this church, people that came for years. They were coming long before we got here. People that I loved dearly, I loved dearly, and let, yet they left because I would not pick their side both ways I didn't do what they wanted me to do I stayed neutral and then I heard it they threw it in my face I don't feel like you love me pastor can I say something if your view of love is me agreeing with you and doing what you think I should do then you don't fully understand what true love is that type of love is called conditional love it's puppet love In other words, as long as you agree with me, as long as you believe what I believe, then we're good, you and I. We have a difficulty understanding agape love. Agape love is the love that God has for us. Basically, God loves us regardless. There's nothing we can do or not do to separate us from the love of God. If you believe Scripture, you believe that to be true. True love is loving one another despite our differences. Let me ask you a question. Has God, have you ever asked God for something and he told you no? Maybe just me? I've asked God for things before and guess what he tells me? No. Does that mean he no longer loves me? Because he's not doing what I want him to do? Absolutely not. But the truth is I've gotten mad at God when he doesn't do what I want. And if you're honest, you probably have too. (laughs) But does he still love me? Yes. Just personally speaking, there have been several of my prayers that have gone unanswered. And I later come to realize that if he would have given me what I asked for, it would have, number one, hurt me, or number two, done damage to the kingdom of God. I'm sure everyone in here can relate. Sometimes I fall into the same trap the disciples fell into, the trap of being nearsighted. Watching people you love walk away is hard. It's it's extremely hard. And I've always taught that the the pastor, the, the importance of just letting people go is the pastor. But that's easier said than done. And everyone will tell you that. It's tough watching people you love walk away. But that's what's happened and it's happened everywhere. Now, this church, we have grown well beyond what we were pre-COVID, despite those that left because I didn't pick their side, but it hasn't made it any easier, and I'm just sharing my heart with you today because I truly do love you, and I love this church, and I want you to know that every decision I make, it goes through my mind, how's this going to affect this person, and that person, and this person, and that person, and it's hard, but what I've come to realize, and I hate to say it, that a lot of Christians, even seasoned Christians that have been following Christ for years are near sighted and this COVID mess really brought this to the surface
A lot of us, we have trouble seeing what's from what's right in front of us. We can't take our focus off of what's right in front of us and focus and see the big picture. We are blinded to the big picture. We can't see the amount of people that have gotten saved and baptized. Last year was a record year for baptisms here in this church, but we can't see that. We can't see the people that have been changed and set free for the glory of God. We can't see that because we're focused on what we're having for lunch, so to speak. We're focused on what's temporary. Just like the disciples, we become nearsighted. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 3, we're told that in the last days there's going to be a great falling away from the faith. Now, in order to fall away from the faith, you have to be a part of the faith. These are going to be people that once, once served God and there's going to be a great falling away. The problem is we all think we're immune to this. That won't be me. I won't be the one that falls away, but listen to me. If you are a near-sighted Christian, the chances of you falling away from the truth, from the faith, when things get rough, and they will get rough, you think we've seen anything yet, it's very high because you only see what's right in front of you. But those that have their spiritual glasses on, they're going to be able to see past themselves, and I believe those are the ones that's going to stand firm because they're focused on what's most important. But there's going to be a great falling away from the faith. Average church attendance since COVID. This is just the stat that was released in December of last year. Down 22%. 22% churches in America have already walked away from the faith. And we could say it, it's because, uh, well, COVID numbers are up again, so people are starting to stay home. But I'm telling you, back last summer when they were nearly zero, if they haven't returned yet, they're not going to return. That's just the reality of it. But the church has not recovered. That's just the average. 22% is the average. I know of several churches that are down by more than 50%. I know of several more that have completely closed their doors for good. Now, this church has kind of been the exception to the rule of we've seen, we've seen attendance go up. But overall, you could make the argument that the great falling away may have begun. I don't know for sure. I can't, I'm not telling you it has. But when a quarter leave the faith, 25% in two years, that's pretty substantial. It may have. And with this in mind, I heard something about a month ago that startled me and further confirmed this. This, it's, it, this, this fact could very well, we, we could be witnessing this great falling away, as Scripture calls it. You've probably heard this too. Churches, there are several that are now requiring the vaccine to attend the service. They're checking the vaccination cards. You probably heard this. I know of one that if you have the vaccine, you can sit on the main floor, but if you don't have the vaccine, you sit in the balcony. True story, look it up. Now, they can do what they want. I just, I'm just trying to make a point. Jesus himself said, a house divided will not stand. And that's exactly what we're starting to see within the walls of his church. Because we're focusing on lunch Instead of eternity. So please understand what I'm saying. This is what, how I interpret this news that I get. Let's just say I'm working for a company. Let's just say I've been vaccinated. My buddy next to me, good friend of mine, he doesn't have the vaccine. 
I'm talking to him about God. I want to invite him to, to church, to come to the house of God, to be with me. But this rule means I can no longer invite him to the house of God. Or if I do, I won't be able to sit next to him. And some of you know businesses are starting to do this as well. They're requiring the vaccine to, to dine in or to see the movie or whatever. And they can do what they want. They have the right to do that. That's fine. But understand with these businesses, their focus is in eternity. For instance, take a restaurant. Their focus, they're not worried about eternity. That's not why they're there. They don't exist to help people prepare for eternity. They exist to take care of a temporary need. They could care less about eternity. Their focus is providing a meal and making profit. So their focus is on that which is temporary. So you can expect them to make decisions without any eternal focus. And you can't get mad at them for that. But the church, however, the Christian, however, isn't it our command to prepare people for eternity? Maybe I'm wrong. Didn't Jesus issue this command to his disciples before he left the earth? Matthew 28, 18. Jesus came to his, and told his disciples, I've been given all authority on heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Basically, guys, keep your eyes on the big picture. You go make disciples. You prepare people for eternity. Make sure you have your glasses on so you can see past yourself. In John chapter 17 and verse 20, we see Jesus praying before he goes to the cross. And this is what he says. He says, I'm praying not only for those disciples, uh, for these disciples that he currently had, but also for all of those who are able, ever believe in me through their message. He's praying for all of us. I pray that they will all be one. Just as you and I are one, as you are, as you are in me, Father, I am in you, and they, may they be in us so that the world will believe that you sent me. The church, Christians, the way I understand it, we are supposed to be about eternity. That's supposed to be our focus. We are responsible to carry the message of the gospel to the world. There is no plan B. We are God's plan, you and I, but yet we can't get our focus off of what's in front of us. What's for lunch? We're nearsighted. When the church begins to make nearsighted decisions like we're seeing right now, and this will make some of you mad, and I'm sorry, we are in trouble we're not thinking about the human soul when we make decisions like that. We're thinking about what is temporary. It is nearsighted vision. And Jesus is yelling, wake up and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. It seems to me that somewhere along the way, us Christians, we've started to care more about social issues, which are all temporary, every one of them, than we do the fact that people are dying without God and they're going to spend eternity in hell. Whenever Jesus was asked his opinion, which he was frequently, if you read the Gospels, you'll see that it was always, he was asked his opinion to trap him, because that's what an opinion is, it'll trap you. So time and time again, when he's asked his opinion, what does he do? He avoids the question, and he steers the conversation back towards what? Eternity. Wake up and look at the fields. This isn't as important as this. Wake up 
and look at the fields. I promise you, if that was truly our focus as a church, the human soul and the fact that people are dying without God, we wouldn't be dealing with any of this stuff. Rather than asking someone, if you get nothing else from today, maybe this is it right here. Rather than asking someone if they're vaccinated or not, what if you ask them, how can I serve you? How can I be a blessing to you? It doesn't matter if you're vaccinated or not. I don't care if you wear a mask or not. How can I serve you? Because the truth is, wearing a mask or not wearing a mask is not going to determine where you spend eternity. If it was, I'd be talking about it. Having a shot or not having a shot is not going to determine where you spend eternity. Voting Democrat or Republican is not going to determine where you spend eternity. But these are the things that us Christians have brought to the forefront. These are the things that we've chosen to fight and argue about. And God is shouting to us, wake up, don't you see the harvest? We become nearsighted and we're failing our cities because of it. So what do you do when you have nearsighted vision? You get a prescription. You put your glasses on. You see, when I put my glasses on, when I take my glasses off, I can just see what's in front of me. I can see my little needs. I can see my little world. But when I put my glasses on, I can see beyond me and I can see all of you. Putting my glasses on, spiritually speaking, when you put your spiritual glasses on, it allows us to see the bigger picture. It allows me to see others as God sees them and love them regardless of what they look like, regardless of what they believe, regardless of what decisions that they have made. Jesus says to his disciples, all you guys are thinking about is lunch. You're nearsighted. We've got a lady whose life has just been radically transformed. We've got an entire community coming out to see this great thing that the Lord has done. And all you guys are talking about is food. Wake up. Stats say that there are roughly 2.4 billion people in the world today that claim to be a Christian. I say that that's probably high, but we're just going to use that stat. 2.4 billion people. If that's true, there are roughly 5.3 billion people in this world that are headed to an eternity without Christ. 5.3 billion headed to an eternity where the flame is not quenched and the worm does not die. But I say that and nobody flinches. Nobody sheds a tear. No one runs out the back to tell someone about Jesus. And why do you suppose that is? It's because it's just a number. You can't see the person that's not going to make it. The stat is now that more than 5.5 million people have died worldwide from COVID. Now, you can say what you want about that stat. I'm not here to de debate a stat. I'm just, that's the stat that's out there, so I'm using it. 5.5 million people have died from COVID say, in the last couple years. If you lined those people up that have died from COVID shoulder to shoulder, the line would extend Green Bay to Dallas, Texas straight. People that have died worldwide. All dead, gone, just like that. If the stats are correct, two-thirds of those people are spending eternity right now without God. To put this into perspective, imagine driving from here to Wichita, Kansas, passing people standing shoulder to shoulder all along the way. They didn't make it. Twelve and a half hours of driving, and every one of those people are spending an eternity in hell. 
Put yourself behind the steering wheel of your car and imagine just for a moment leaving this church and driving just to Appleton and there's people lined up down the road and none of them made it, shoulder to shoulder. That's just to Appleton. Keep going to Madison. Keep going past there, shoulder to shoulder to shoulder. Look at their faces. Seeing the faces of these people for 12 and a half hours that are separated from God for eternity, what does that do anything inside of you? Does that stir you at all? Because if you're nearsighted, it doesn't. You're in here thinking about what's for lunch. You see, nearsighted will drive, that, drive past those, those, that group of people and will say, I wonder how many of these people here in this line had the vaccine. No thoughts of where they're spending eternity. Getting that image in your mind, can you see that just maybe all of these issues that we've chosen to draw swords over in light of eternity just aren't that important? Jesus said, wake up and look at the fields. They're ripe for harvest. Not tomorrow, now, today. 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 5 says, in view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with generous provision of moral excellence, and moral excellence with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, self-control with patient endurance, patient endurance with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love for everyone. Verse 8, the more you grow like this, the more you grow like this, the more productive and useful You will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 9, but those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. Peter is explaining the growth process of a Christian here. He says, as a Christian matures, you will begin to see this fruit. You will see moral excellence. You will see knowledge increase as they study the Word of God and they live it out. You will see self-control in their life. You will see patience. You will see godliness. You will see affection towards others. You will see love for everyone. That's what it says, love for everyone, not just those that agree like you. He says the more we grow in these areas, the more productive and the more useful we will be. But those that fail to develop in this way, do you see what he says? He says they're short-sighted or blind. They're nearsighted. Wake up, open your eyes, and see the harvest, Jesus said. Jesus told us that he did not come from the people that are well. He came for the people that are sick. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. When we lose something of value, that's something that's, that's, that's of very importance to us, we, we tear the house apart. If we lose our keys, we tear the house apart. We lose our wallet. We, we do not stop until it is found. Rest assured that those that are lost are of utmost importance to God. Luke chapter 15, Jesus gives us three parables in one chapter. He talks about the lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son. In all three of those parables, he says, I'm not thinking about the one I have. I'm thinking about the one I lost. One of your kids comes up missing. You're going to say, oh, well, I got a couple more. No big deal. Well, I guess you might. Depends on which one comes up missing. 
No, you're not going to sleep until they're found, until they're safe. What if we walked out of here today with our spiritual glasses on? What if we walked out of this place today seeing people the way Jesus sees them? Everything for you will change. I'm going to ask Sam to come back up at this time. So here's my challenge to you as we close this out today. I just have one thing, one small thing for you to work on this week. The next time there's an individual that makes you angry, they have a lifestyle you don't agree with, they believe something different than you regarding the vaccine or whatever else might be, I encourage you, you feel that anger rising up inside of you, I encourage you to close your eyes and pray, God, help me to see them as you do. Help me to see them through your eyes. Help me to grieve for the condition of their soul like you do. Because that changes everything right there. You know what this done, has done for me? And I'm still learning. I don't, I don't have this down. God's still working with me on this as well. Rather than carrying all this anger and hatred, I'm now able to see the person differently. And when I can see them differently, and I, I'm able to love them. And more often than not, I'll find myself praying for them. And they might have said something to me that was totally condemning or whatever. But this is how I've been able to stay neutral through all this mess. I've done the best job that I can that I know of to keep my spiritual glasses on to stay focused on the bigger picture. I've tried to stay focused on what is truly important for eternity. God, how do you see them? I don't want to be nearsighted anymore, God. Let that be your prayer when we leave this place today. Can I have you bow your heads and close your eyes? Father, I just want to thank you for this word today. I know, God, that there's some people either in this place or watching online or they'll be watching it at another time that will be challenged by this and might make them a little angry and I can't do anything about that. But Holy Spirit, I just, I pray, Lord, for them right now, God, that you would help them to see this truth from your word and, God, what is most important to you, the human soul. God, as we leave this place today, myself included, Lord, that, let that be our prayer. Let that be our prayer, God. I don't want to be nearsighted anymore. Help me see people the way you do, God. Help me to cry out for their soul the way that you do, God. Help me to long to see past the differences that we have. And focus on their soul, which is truly what's important. Because it's eternal. God, and I thank you for that today. Holy Spirit, as we leave this place, let this message continue to ring in our ears all week long. Because I know every one of us is going to face a situation where we're standing next to somebody we don't see eye to eye with. God, help me see them as you do. Help me see them as you do. I don't want to be nearsighted anymore. We thank you for it in the name of Jesus. I want you to keep your head bowed and your eyes closed.